0: The Big 12 brought home a championship saying goodbye to its commissioner. We'll have some takeaways from yesterday or Monday's player and coach interviews on today's episode of Locked On Sooners.
1: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part
0: of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. Joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday, on 94.7 The Ref in Norman, 1400 Sports Talk out of Oklahoma City. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, so go subscribe over there. Leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Let us know how you feel about the show. Josh, how are you doing, friend? what's going on
1: man i am doing great doing great how are you
0: i'm doing pretty good man interesting week going on we had the national championship game got the masters coming up tiger woods is probably playing it sounds like so a very interesting sports week let's talk about the national championship because kansas brings home the title after overcoming the largest deficit or sorry let me rephrase that they created the largest comeback in tournament history, which is pretty incredible. But Bill Self gets another national title. What was kind of your biggest takeaway
1: from last night's game? Well, you were right on both accounts, whichever way you want to phrase it, right? Had the largest comeback in NCAA championship history, overcame the largest deficit in NCAA championship game history. However you want to phrase it, either or, that's what Kansas was obviously able to do versus Brady Manick and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Takeaways, you know, from an Oklahoma Sooner fan's perspective, how cool was it to see Brady Manick just not even just specific to the national championship game, but throughout the entirety of this late late season charge for the North Carolina Tar Heels, the type of impact that he had on that North Carolina team. And he was great, John, in the national championship game. What did he finish with? Uh, 13 points 13 rebounds he had four blocks too so he was defending shots at the rim I know it obviously didn't totally work out for him late as David McCormick was able to score over top of him for sort of kind of what wound up being the game ceiling bucket there in the final moments but I thought that was great to see for Brady Manick just the embrace with his parents after they had beaten Duke to go to the national championship game it's a little bittersweet As an Oklahoma fan, you're watching that and you're kind of saying to yourself, man, when and can this ever be us, the Oklahoma Sooners, getting back into a national championship game? For old-time Oklahoma fans, I mean, obviously they remember playing and losing in a national championship game to Kansas. So there's like that part of you, or at least if you're anything like me, there's a part of me that's – I'm happy for Brady Manick. I love that for Brady Manick, but I'm also – a little bitter about it. It's you left us and now you're playing in this national championship game. But that was uh, obviously I thought, you know, by and large, great to see Brady get to have those tournament moments and the type of impact that he had. And then for Kansas and for Bill self, it validates for them who they've been for really the, not just the entirety of the history of Kansas basketball, but really from the beginning of the Roy Williams era now to where we're at in the Bill Self era. I mean, so many different times, John, Kansas was the butt of jokes or the team that uh, got a matchup versus VCU in the Elite Eight and lost that matchup versus VCU in the Elite Eight. So for the type of program that Kansas has been to cash in on another national championship, to now have four national championships in their history, and for Bill Self to have two, obviously he's the greatest coach in Kansas basketball history. But I just thought really for Kansas as a whole to get to four national championships, to not be that program. When we talk about blue bloods that it's, yeah, well, you're a blue blood, uh, you're a blue blood, but you're not kind of like North Carolina or Duke or even Villanova, who before last night was tied with Kansas for national championships.
0: Yeah. It is interesting to see the, kind of the conversation changed a little bit now that they've gotten another national championship, because really for my, most of my basketball awareness, I feel like Kansas has been a really, really good basketball program, but like you said, never mentioned in the same echelon as Duke, North Carolina, even, you know, Syracuse, I felt like for a long time, Syracuse was seen a, a level above them, but I feel like this definitely has to validate where they are, on the national stage as a blue blood program, one of the best in the country over its history of college basketball. And so, yeah, really, really interesting to see that. And again, the big 12 kind of stands out as one of the better basketball conferences in the country, arguably the best. I think it was Josh Calloway that had it out there where he ran down what big 12 basketball has done the last several years, which is Baylor won the national title last year. They had a, a it was a final four appearance or a finals appearance that they lost. And then the same year before that, Uh, But, yeah, the Big 12 just continues to really, really play really good basketball. And even though they only got six teams in the tournament, those teams played really well uh, throughout. For Oklahoma, what do they got to do to get to that point, to get to a Final Four, to get to a national championship?
1: Well, if I can backtrack for just a moment to the comment that you made about just the overall success of the Big 12, we can look at this national championship, for Kansas through strictly the lens of Kansas, which is sort of how I opened up, you know, here on the show, but really for the big 12, it validates the big 12 too. what has happened in this conference. We saw buddy healed in Oklahoma, get to a final four. Yeah. It's starting to get a little further away, but it's still within this past decade. It's fairly recently that we saw Oklahoma do that. We saw Texas tech play in a national championship game. We saw Baylor just last season, win a national championship game, And uh, Kansas had been to the final four in 2018. Now they win this national championship. So the big 12 that's being built up as this great basketball conference, you look at what happened to the big 10, where they got all these teams in the dance and they didn't perform well in the NCAA tournament. So for a sport that is totally predicated on what happens over the course of three weeks, it's nice to see that the big 12 for so many years again whether it was kansas or it was texas and you know early 2000s oklahoma and kansas made their runs into the final four but there was kind of a lot of pointing the fingers in saying the big 12 conference isn't as good as it thinks it is or it's not as good as some of these east coast programs but here these last couple of years this conference collectively not just kansas or baylor but you know everybody top to bottom has really made some significant tournament pushes and you know, as a Big 12 fan, at least until Oklahoma goes to the SEC, that's, that's kind of nice to see, right? It's kind of rewarding as a fan. As for Oklahoma and the future of its program, it's pretty simple, right? You look kind of at what happened for each of these two teams, made this remark to Plank on the radio show reacting this morning. Both Kansas and North Carolina, two teams that played for the national championship, North Carolina got better by adding a transfer from Oklahoma in Brady Manick, and Kansas got better by adding a transfer in Remy Martin, who was vitally important to Kansas's tournament success and ultimately winning the national championship. So, step one to get to that sort of stage is to continue to add from the transfer portal guys that are going to be legitimate, impact, high level players on this type of stage in an NCAA tournament. So, that would be the quickest. Path to a rebuild, but then beyond that, it's just to continue to add talent. I think that Porter Moser has the the right idea and plan in place to do that. I think Porter Moser, to me, strikes me as someone that can be a really, really effective recruiter at Oklahoma. But you got to get those types of guys, right? You got to go find an Ochai Abaji and then develop them.
0: Yeah, it's going to take getting stars and getting a really a plethora of players that can that can hit and they can shoot. And they're going to be consistent players because that's what it takes in tournament time, especially is are you able to sustain your level of play over the course of several weeks and make that run? Uh, But I think, uh, I think most people feel pretty optimistic about the future of Oklahoma. It's just a matter of how long does it take them to get back into the tournament and, you know, make a final four run. I think this year had they, I don't know, had some more consistent shooting at times, especially from three, I think they could have been a tournament team. They would have won a few more games in the regular season, could have been a tournament team. It doesn't feel like they're far off, but again, this is a team that missed out on the NCAA tournament. So who knows where they're going to be at come next year in a conference that is really good and really deep and isn't going to be an easy run for anybody uh, in the big 12. So we'll continue to follow that. We'll talk some basketball as we hear some, you know, there's going to be some transfer portal news for Oklahoma basketball in the in the coming weeks. There already has decisions. been. No, has there? What I miss?
1: Well, Alston Mason obviously has made his decision to leave Oklahoma, which you kind of look at that. That was the first signee that Porter Moser had was Alston Mason to Oklahoma. So disappointing there. You've got a talented point guard in Milo's Uzen coming in you've got B. John Cortez who again John did some nice things at times for OU last season but I you know at least today where we stand don't feel super comfortable looking at Cortez and saying that this is you know one of the best point guards in the Big 12 I think he's a very very solid backup point guard in in the Big 12 and for Oklahoma at least what I've seen so far and maybe he can get to that next level but uh, we'll just have to see how this plays out and really the answer for Oklahoma is even though you're losing an Alston Mason, you're you've signed Milo's Uzin, who's an ESPN top 100 or whichever recruiting service you look at one of those top point guard prospects. So you hope that that's what he turns out to be. Right.
0: Right. Right. And you are retaining a bunch of guys from this year's roster going into next year, you still have quite a few guys. Like an, an, uh, the Groves brothers I think are, are coming back. Right. The, has there been any word on emoji Gibson returning or not?
1: I, no, n- not anything in the official department for Mo Gibson. But, I mean, that's where we stand right now. That's probably the biggest question for next season, right, is will Mo Gibson elect to come back to Oklahoma? If he does, you feel pretty good about the core that you've got around him with Tanner Groves and uh, obviously some of these talented signees they're bringing in. If you don't have Mo Gibson, then you, you've really got to get active probably in the transfer portal.
0: Yep. But coming up next, we got to talk. Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, will be stepping down into an interim role uh, here in the near future. But we'll talk about that after I tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Easy to eat, 100 percent covered in chocolate. It tastes great and it's great for you. Anywhere from 130 to 170 calories, four or five grams of sugar, four or five grams of net carbs and 17 or 18 grams of protein. Seriously, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, a fantastic treat for you with great flavors like mint, brownie, coconut, coconut, almond. My favorite is the peanut butter brownie. Another great flavor is that uh, coconut brownie chunk. You really can't go wrong. They got flavors for every taste and every appetite. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order over at built.com using promo code locked 15 and we want to take this time to thank you so much for making locked on sooners your first listen every single day thank you for subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts for free and available on all platforms including youtube so make sure you're checking it out wherever you get your podcast and also go listen to another show whatever your favorite team is whether it's major league baseball nfl my favorite team is the dallas cowboys in the nfl I'm constantly listening to Locked On Cowboys with Marcus Mosier and Landon McCool. Those are my guys over there. So you got a team, you got a sports team in the, especially in the pro ranks. We've got a team of guys covering it for you or girls covering it for you. So check it out on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Bob Bowlesby is out as Big 12 commissioner. Eventually, it's going to be a transitional period. Now, what do you, what was your take on this initially when you heard the news? And how are you feeling about kind of the future of the Big 12?
1: So initial reaction for me was really not altogether surprised. I I think Bob Bowlesby had sort of hinted at or mentioned in the past that really he ended up sticking around longer than he wanted to be because of the OU Texas news, right? That he wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure this conference in his mind was stabilized before he left his post. So maybe if, we hadn't have had the news that we got last summer with OU and Texas getting admitted into the Southeastern conference. Maybe he wouldn't have even been the commissioner for this past football season in the big 12 conference. Who's to say, I guess only Bob Bolesby could really answer that question honestly, but he's someone that has been on the administration side now for a long, long time. And obviously he's, It's not like he's 55 years old as the Big 12 Conference commissioner. So it's time for him in his life to step away, a little less stress from the day-to-day of managing an operation like the Big 12 Conference. So not surprised kind of where he's at uh, just in terms of his age to want to not spend the rest of his life overseeing the Big 12 Conference.
0: Yeah. And I think from a stabilization standpoint, I would have to say mission accomplished. Yes. You lost OU Texas. That that's a blow to any conference and would be to any commissioner. And it kind of came out of the, out of the blue, were there things that he might've been able to do to prevent that, or the conference might've been able to do to prevent that. It's hard to say. I mean, the allure of the sec is pretty strong and the potential money that's going to come with being a part of the sec in the future is a pretty strong draw. But I would say that the four teams that they worked to bring in BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, are really strong teams, and it and it puts the Big Twelve in a really good position to have a strong presence in the future, even uh, whether it's basketball or football. I feel like it. So, you know, if you ask the question, is the Big Twelve better now than what it was when he got the job? I think if you look at it just in the lens of oh, OU and Texas are leaving, so no. It's not in a better shape, but the way he helped it recover, I feel like it's solid and definitely deserves some praise for um, just the way that they were able to kind of turn around the narrative and turn around what the, the future of the, of the conference was going to be. Because initially when Oklahoma and Texas left, it was the big 12 is dead. It's done. Like it, everybody was ready to, to dig the grave for the conference And Bob Bowlesby rallied the troops. He rallied the the ADs and the presidents and got them together, and they came up with a plan to make sure the conference was going to be viable in the future, and I I feel like they did a really nice job of that.
1: And you're right. he, He did do a good job of that. If you're not a fan of the University of Oklahoma and you're a fan of these remaining schools that are going to be a part of the Big 12 Conference's future, you do have to tip your cap a little bit to Bob Bowlesby. And, and I would even backtrack further than just the OU Texas to the SEC news. You have to think about Bob Bolsby's tenure as the Big 12 Conference Commissioner through this perspective. Think about what he inherited initially from the mess that Dan Beattie left him. It was a conference that had just seen one of its all-time great members. Sure, Nebraska had been down in football and still is down in football – but Nebraska was one of the founding members of the the Big 8 Conference. Nebraska had left. Texas A&M had left. Missouri, Colorado had all made these decisions to leave. It felt like even back then the Big 12 was sort of on its deathbed. Bob Bolsby was a part of stabilizing the conference back then before this late wave that we're at now where OU and Texas have decided to leave the conference. So if I had to letter grade today, and this is without knowing, obviously, what's going to happen in terms of television money for the, the Big 12, because that's definitely taking, it's taking a hit, minus Oklahoma and Texas. Now, how big of a hit we'll see, and part of that into the future will be dependent upon how good a program Cincinnati and Central Florida are in football and Houston and BYU. Maybe they can command more money if those programs, like if a Central Florida turns into a power in the future, okay, well then maybe they'll, drive some television sets, and recoup some of the money that they lost from Oklahoma and Texas. So you can't really grade Bob Bowlesby's entire tenure right now today because we just don't know how good those programs are going to fit or what their futures look like in the Big 12. But with that being said, if I graded Bob Bowlesby's tenure today, I think I'd give him a solid B- minus, just given the fact that he inherited this thing from Dan Beebe. It really wasn't in all that good of a spot to begin with. And he did stabilize it, John. And in this news with OU and Texas leaving, he's found four members to come into this Big 12 conference, and it appears stabilize it again into the future.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a a big part of what he'll be remembered for. Yeah, the, the losses sting. But where they're headed is is a pretty solid direction. I think, I feel like the schools that they added the BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston are just are pretty underrated. They were a really good group of five. BYU being an independent, all of them could have been admitted to any of the Power Five conferences, and I feel like could hold up fairly well uh, in those groups. I mean, Vanderbilt's in the SEC, Kansas is in the Big Twelve. Like these are not great basketball or great football programs. They, they do well in other sports, but as far as football goes, they're not very good. Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, they, they could have belonged, you know, Houston, they could have very well belonged. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Mike Gundy's kind of mentioned the, the idea that they might go back to 14 after Oklahoma and Texas goes and who knows what the direction is going to be under the new commissioner, but I got a feeling that it's going to maintain a, a similar um a similar place in the power five. You know, it's, it's not the SEC. It's not even the big 10, but I feel like it's kind of right there in the conversation with the ACC. And then uh, I would say it's a step above the big 10, even after Oklahoma and Texas leave because really what is the big 10? I mean, Oregon has been okay. Sometimes USC has been down for a while. So it's a conference that has some historical value, but it doesn't have current, monetary uh, value to it as far outside of just the names that they have, but we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in because the person that they bring in is going to have a whole lot of uh, negotiations on his plate with the next uh, TV deal coming. And who knows where that's going to head because you got oh. Amazon that's getting into the football launching. You got a- Apple plus it's wanting to get involved. Hulu, you know, all these streaming services wanting to get a touch. Of football, that, that the mightest touch of football that uh, makes money for everybody. So, that person that they bring is going to have to have a nuanced understanding of streaming platforms and how to best sell the Big 12 in their next TV rights negotiations. So, coming up next, let's talk about what the Oklahoma defensive players and Jay Valai had to say uh, during their media appearance on Monday after I talked to you about Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest developments, including this week's Masters, championships, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live bettings, esports, and scores. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. And the NFL Draft is just, what, 23 days away? So make sure you go listen to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast with Ryan Tracy and former former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bringing you the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Josh. Jay Vilai spoke to the media on Monday uh, after practice, and I felt like some of the things that he had to say, especially in regards to like Woody Washington, DJ Graham, were really, really fascinating <laughs> Did you have any takeaways from that in particular
1: that you'd like to share? Well, I I think he's got a good stable of cornerbacks to operate with here. DJ Graham, Woody Washington. Sounds like he's pretty excited about both of those guys. But even beyond that, I thought it was encouraging what he had to say about Jaden Davis, about Joshua Eaton, just all of the other cornerbacks that he has in that room. So, Uh, It sounds like he's excited about what he has to start with here at Oklahoma, which that would typify a spring. You're not typically going to hear anything negative about the personnel that you have on campus. But I do think that he has a talented group and a group that can play much better than we've seen, well, really, especially last season, where Oklahoma, I think, finished 109th in passing yardage allowed. The personnel on campus is so much better than 109th in the nation for passing yards allowed. It has to be better. DJ Graham and Woody Washington alone, if you can have Woody Washington stay healthy, you feel like that pairing alone at corner is a really good place to start. But I was just I think most taken by his personality, which seems to be a common theme with kind of everybody on staff right now.
0: Yeah, and I liked a lot of what he had to say about kind of reading reading the cues, you know, reading the book. He was talking about just you're not going to be able to know everything. Like you're not going to be able to read the whole book. So you got to get the, uh, oh, the Cliffs notes and, you know, just read the cues of what the wide receiver is trying to do, what the offense is trying to do. You have to study those things, be detailed about those. And it's going to help you play each snap and play, you know, each, each play at a really, really high level. I Again, I loved his intensity too. And I love just his energy as well. A dude talked a mile a minute. And I was like, I can understand everything he's saying, even though he's talking super, super fast. He's just a really good, really good speaker. So I was really excited about that. I I loved what he had to say about Woody Washington. He's, he's talked about Woody Washington being a leader on and off the field. And uh, it was uh, David Agwebu who also mentioned, you know, that Woody Washington has really stepped up uh, his presence as a leader on this team and you know, everybody takes notice of what Woody Washington is doing every practice. He's bringing the same intensity every single practice, every single rep, and and that's what you need. You know, with losing six starters on the defensive side of the football, you're going to have to have guys step up into leadership roles. We've heard Reggie Grimes is one of those guys that's stepping up into it, but now we're hearing Woody Washington is going to be a leader on this team, and and I think that that makes sense because he is one of your better players, but also to see that now he's taking on a whole new role, not just being a really good corner but also being a guy that everybody looks to to set the tone for what practices look like. And, and you love that out of a cornerback. I just think of like the, the elite guys, the, the shutdown corners, they all kind of carry that same edge. Like I'm going to set the tone for what this practice is going to look like. You're not going to catch anything on me and good luck to the rest of you guys who are sitting and watching and, and ready to take a rep because nobody's catching anything. And you just love that. Now, I'm not saying these are his words. I'm putting words in his mouth. But anytime I think about a cornerback who is a leader on the team and is setting the tone, that's kind of what I envision is like a Deion Sanders out there just saying, this is my island. Nobody's doing anything and bringing that intensity. So it's going to be fun to see what Woody Washington looks like this year. DJ Graham, again, a guy he talked about who somebody who could be a really, really good player, just has to kind of fine tune some things. Um, so a lot to be excited about. Anything from the players that stood out to you?
1: Well, I would just add to what you were saying about Woody Washington right Right there. You got to have a little bit of the Dikembe Matumbo, not not around here, right? I mean, you got to right. have a little bit of that. And, and, you know, the other part of being a leader for me, and I've said this I don't know how many times, you have to deliver results.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you're going to be the person in practice that has a lot to say, well, when Saturday rolls around, Woody Washington – better be available and he he better be somebody that's coming up with pass breakups or they're looking to the opposite side of the field and not in his direction. So he, Woody Washington, probably based off the way last season played out where he missed so much time due to injury. He's another one of those guys that should be incredibly, incredibly hungry to remind us and prove to everybody. Yes. I, I can be a lockdown corner at Oklahoma. And I would just say, collectively as a whole for Jay Valai, for DJ Graham, for Woody Washington, Joshua Eden, the entirety of everybody that's over there with the cornerbacks. Can Jay Valai be the person to push the right buttons and get these guys to play up to their potential? You know, Alex Grinch, who was your safeties coach and sort of in charge of everything back in the secondary while he did a lot of, I thought, positive things for Oklahoma defensively, John, I think anybody that looks at it objectively and thinks about where Oklahoma was before Alex Grinch got here and where they appear to be now and where it appears they're headed, you'd have to say that Alex Grinch did a good job as Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. Now, did he do a great job? Okay, that's up for debate. And probably you could make a strong argument, well, at times he, he didn't do a great job. One thing that you can definitely say that was underwhelming for Oklahoma was it's secondary under mm-hmm. Alex Grinch. So can Jay Valai be part of the puzzle pieces here that gets that group to play to Oklahoma's standard?
0: And they're going to need to, because especially if Quinn Ewers is what everybody thinks he's going to be at Texas, that's going to be a tough matchup, you know, in the passing game and the future in the SEC. I mean, the SEC has turned into a passing league as well. I mean, they, they still run the football, but you got some high octane offenses out there as well. So you're going to have to be really sound in the back end and in the secondary. When you mentioned Dikemio Matumbo, I just, all I think (laughs) about are the commercials now where you just hear him to go, no, 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 not today. And I don't know why. I just love those commercials so much. And Woody, if you're listening to the show, make sure you, your first pass breakup, you drop a little no, no, no finger wag. I'd love to see it here on Locked On Sooners. So that's going to do it for today's episode. For Josh, I'm John. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you tomorrow. We also got the Locked On Big 12 crossover coming to you wherever you get your podcasts as well, where we talked a little bit more about Bob Bolsby as well. So make sure you check that out. But until next time, we'll see you then. Boomer Sooner.